0: So uh, we're going to try in some of the evening services to look at these I am sayings of Jesus together. I um, say so we won't be doing this every week. We still have uh, guest preachers coming over an evening. And uh, to help the guest preachers, we let them choose their own passage. But when we don't have a guest preacher, we thought it'd be good to have a bit more of a series, just try and have a bit more consistency in the evening service like we used to have. And so we're going to try and go through these um, I am sayings of Jesus I know there are seven I am sayings of Jesus in total in uh, John's gospel. So he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the light. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the bread of life. And I am the good shepherd. There's a big claims of Jesus, great, rich truths uh, in those claims as well of Jesus. Now, we did actually look at I am the vine. On New Year's Day as a church family, if you happen to be here, the talks on the website, I think, is where we looked at I am the vine on New Year's Day. We were thinking at the start of the year, how can we be fruitful this year for the Lord? And we saw how we need to stay connected to Jesus. He's the true vine. So we've covered one of them already recently. But um, tonight we're actually looking at two of these I am because You might have noticed that two of the I am's come up in our passage tonight. I am the door of the sheep and I am the good shepherd. These rich, big claims of Jesus. Now, to start this off, I want to tell you a true story as a way in to our passage tonight. There's a true story from history of a man called Charles Blondin. I don't know if you ever heard his name. I'd only heard his name recently, and Blondin was famous because he was a, a gifted tightrope walker. Um, he had a, a gift for uh, being able to walk over on a tightrope across um, long uh, pieces of uh, you know in the air, high up, uh, taking his life at risk. He was very gifted and skilled at it. And in the year 1858, he announced he was going to walk on a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And uh, he, attempted, he was going to attempt to do this. Apparently, from one side to the other of the Niagara Falls is about 1,300 feet across, from one side to the other, and very high up. And he announced this. Uh, there are many people gathered to come and see him do this, try and do this amazing feat. And on the first time he did it, he, he said to the, to the people who stood there, he said, you know, which of you believe that I can do this? Which of you believe I can actually get from one side to the other on this tightrope? tightrope. And many of his followers and fans said, yeah, we believe you can do this. We believe, Blondin, you're able to do this. We believe you, you, you can do this. And then he, he did it. He walked from one side to the other. And then he walked back again, back to where he started. And then apparently what he did next was he then got a wheelbarrow. He got a wheelbarrow and he said, you know, he said to, the, to the crowds there, his fans, he said, you know, which of you believe that I could actually also take a wheelbarrow with me across the tightrope, across the Niagara Falls? And many of the people said, yeah, we believe you, Blondie. we believe you can do this. And that's exactly what he did. He then took a wheelbarrow across the tightrope, across Niagara Falls, successfully to one side. They turned around and came back again the other way. And then the third time he said to them, Okay, well, which of you now believes that I could walk this tightrope with my wheelbarrow with somebody in, sat inside the wheelbarrow? I yeah, wish you believed I could do that and get them safely to the other side. And many people said, Yeah, Blondin, we believe you. We believe you could do that. We can believe you can get this wheelbarrow with someone in it to the other side. And then Blondin, of course, turned to him and said, All Right, okay, then, well, which of you then is going to be the first one to actually get into the wheelbarrow. Which of you will actually get into the wheelbarrow if you're so confident you believe I can do this. Now in John's Gospel, Jesus makes these big claims. He's the the way, the truth, and life, the resurrection, and the life. And we see some big claims in this passage. But uh, there comes a crunch point actually for each of us in which we have to decide, do we actually trust Jesus? Uh, Not just do we admire and like his big claims, the big things he says, but do we actually trust Jesus? Are we actually willing to get into the wheelbarrow and trust him with our life and follow him? Will we take that step of trust? I think this is a good passage for us to look at tonight because you'll see in this passage, if you can actually trust the Lord Jesus because he's the door for the sheep to find life and he's also, he is the good shepherd who loves his sheep. We can trust him, we can take that step of actually ourselves, in a sense, getting into the wheelbarrow, not just admiring his claims, but actually trusting him with our life. He's the good shepherd that we need. Now, uh, the background to the good shepherd is actually from the Old Testament, like that Psalm 23, Ezekiel 34 we read. And it's a picture of an Old Testament picture of a leader who cares and leads God's people. He guides them, protects them, and cares for them in what is best. And in the Old Testament, they had many leaders, some good, many not so good. But God promised his people that one day he would send them the perfect leader, perfect king, Perfect shepherd that they needed. And also in his people, there was a longing in their hearts actually to have that perfect king which they knew they knew they needed and which God had promised them. And then Jesus comes on the scene in our passage tonight, and Jesus says, I am the one, I'm the promised shepherd, I am the promised leader, the promised king that you need. I'm the, the good shepherd for God's people. Well, I hope as we look at this passage tonight, we'll see these two big claims of Jesus. And we'll go away strengthened and encouraged in our trust in him, that we can actually, uh, for ourselves, put ourselves, in a sense, into the wheelbarrow to trust Jesus, because he's the good shepherd we need. So two big claims of Jesus, and this we'll see why we can trust him, even courageously putting ourselves in the wheelbarrow, in a sense. So here's the first big claim of Jesus. Jesus says this, that he is the door for his sheep to find satisfying and lasting life. Jesus is the door of his sheep finds satisfying and lasting life. i guess get this from verse 7 to 10. So let's read that again. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly if we, dare, if we go back to the, the very start of this chapter verse 1 Jesus in a sense lays out an extended picture in his teaching he gives a picture of a sheepfold there's a shepherd there's a gate there's a gatekeeper and we're, this gatekeeper watching over the gate to, to, to keep the sheep safe and he describes how these sheep know the shepherd and they, they recognise and know his voice and the shepherd knows them and also in his picture he paints, he says that there's thieves and robbers who seek to come and kill and take and steal the sheep. But when you get to verse six, in verse six, he says this figure of speech Jesus used with them, uh, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They're not. They didn't grasp the or understand the picture he's painting for them. And so then after that, Jesus then becomes really more clear and more explicit in what he's saying in his teaching to them, and his claims become much more open. He says, "I am the door." I'm the good shepherd. He's trying to help them understand. Now, one of the things that might surprise us about what Jesus says is that Jesus seems to, in a sense, doesn't he? He seems to mix the metaphors in this picture he's painting. He says he's both the door, he's the gate, but he's also the shepherd as well. Actually, elsewhere, we're told he's the Lamb of God, he's the shepherd and the sheep and the door. It gets a bit confusing sometimes, but here he is mixing the metaphors. He's both the door, the gate, and he's the good shepherd. So these two claims these big claims in this passage so first of all then he says he's the door for the sheep the gate to find satisfying and lasting life this was verse 9 I am the door if anyone enters by me you'll be saved and you will go in and out and find pasture and verse 10 I came that they may have life and have it abundantly I think the picture of a gate or a door uh, encompasses a number of things it's it's a picture of safety and security how at the end of the day, the sheep would be gathered up into the sheep pen. And then uh, they'd be gathered into the sheep pen and the gate would be closed behind them. And then they'd have safety in the sheep pen. Uh, safe as, as the pen is uh, watched and protected from any wolves or which might come and attack them. So it's a picture of security when they're in the, in the sheep pen with the gate closed. But it's also a picture of finding life. And pasture, how in the morning when the day rises, the shepherd would come open the gate pen and lead his shepherd out to find grass, and nourishment, and pasture so they can satisfy themselves on good food. And Jesus talks about having an abundance of life in him. It's both a picture of security, safety with the good shepherd, but also a picture of nourishment and life and satisfaction which Jesus leads his sheep in. Now, in the Bible, the Bible says that life ultimately comes from God himself. Life, uh, God is the source of all life. So when Jesus says that he's the door to life, Jesus is actually implicitly making a claim that he is God himself because life comes from God. So if Jesus is the door's life, he's implicitly making a claim to be God himself. I was reading Deuteronomy recently in my quiet times, and this theme happened to come up in my quiet times where at the end of Deuteronomy as Moses is wrapping up his sermon and Moses sets before the people a choice between life and death and uh, this is what Moses says I think we have the quote come up on the screen in Deuteronomy Moses says this I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life And length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. So Moses says there that life comes from God. God Himself is their life. And Moses says as well that we actually have to choose life. Uh, uh, Spiritual, real spiritual life doesn't happen by accident. We actually have to choose the life God wants us to have in him. So when Jesus says he's the door to life, he's implicitly making a claim that he is God become man he's God in the flesh and, and I hope you see as well Jesus painting a picture when we come to him, the door of life to find security and the the nourishment he leads us in it's a picture of of goodness uh, of, of finding real nourishment satisfaction in him there's a real attractiveness that comes as we know and follow the good shepherd. elsewhere in John's gospel Jesus says and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent Jesus, in this picture he's painting, says the sheep come in and go out. They find paths, they find satisfaction, nourishment, and they have life, a life in all its fullness, this fullness of life found in knowing Jesus and knowing the Father, this fullness of life in him. It's actually a really attractive picture of what Jesus is saying it's to be one of his sheep to know him and follow him and finding satisfying life. I think sometimes in our evangelism, if we're we're involved in evangelism and trying to reach out to people, we can be very concerned and have a a very high high priority on wanting to communicate that the the Bible and the gospel is the truth. And of course, we do believe the gospel is the truth, and it's important we stand for the Bible as the truth. I think it's also important that we show people that, that the gospel and God's word is actually also good. It's good to know God, it's good to follow Jesus, and it's attractive and beautiful to know Jesus. Uh, so it's both true, the gospel is true, but it's also attractive and good. I think it's helpful to, uh, to try and show that to people. There's a French thinker called Blaise Pascal who said this. I think the quote will come up on the screen. He says, make religion attractive, make good men wish it were true, and then show them that it is. Make religion attractive, make good men wish it were true, and then show them that it is. He's saying that we have to show people why Jesus is attractive, his goodness. And when people see the goodness of Jesus, then they'll actually want to know him and find out more about him. And then we can actually show people that he is true as he starts to, to long for it to be true. I think we see both these things in this passage. Jesus makes these big truth claims. I am the door. I am a good shepherd. He's making these big truth claims. There's also something really attractive about Jesus. In him we find life, fullness life, life. In its fullness, in Him we find pasture, and satisfaction, and nourishment in Him, and knowing the Father. But as well, Jesus is saying He's the door to life. Uh, It also means, doesn't it, that Jesus is the only way into the sheepfold. He's the only way into the sheepfold. He's not a door. Jesus is claiming He is the door. He's actually the only way into the sheepfold uh, in the kingdom. His Father. You probably know, uh, probably well, in our society today, there's a lot of talk and a lot of pressure and emphasis on being inclusive and inclusivity and and people want to be included, lots of talk of that. And of course, the the gospel, we should proclaim the gospel to everyone. Jesus is good news for everyone. The gospel is open to anyone who wants to turn to Jesus and, and trust him. We should make the gospel known to all as much as we can. So the gospel is open to everyone. But Jesus also does say to us, though, doesn't he? He's the door for the sheep. He's the only way into the sheepfold to find life, eternal life ever with the Father. So the gospel is open to everyone. But Jesus is the door into the sheepfold. And what door to life? You'll notice while Jesus talks here about thieves and robbers who come to steal and kill the sheep. Uh, in the immediate context, the thieves and robbers we've been talking about would have been false teachers, false shepherds, the, the religious leaders, where they were doing a bad job of hurting the sheep, wanted to take the sheep away from Jesus, keep, uh, keep them away from the kingdom, pointing them away from Jesus. And Jesus says that these thieves and robbers, where's he, the good shepherd, comes to bring life and to lay down his life for the sheep. He, he gives his life so the sheep can live and have eternal life. These thieves and robbers come to steal, to kill, to take life. So Jesus is warning us, we need to be aware of false teachers who do us harm, who want to take away from the good shepherd. There is a a real spiritual danger of false teachers who take us away from the Lord, and we need to be aware of that and be discerning to to be able to hear the true shepherd's voice and not follow the voice of a thief or a robber. I don't know if you've ever had uh, the experience yourself of meeting a, a, a burglar or a thief in real life. I know know a few people in this church family have where they've maybe met burglars in the house. Um, I had one occasion, i did meet a a real uh, life thief and robbing. It was New Year's Eve. And uh, this New Year's Eve, I was tucked up in my bed. I wasn't partying this New Year's Eve. At the time, I was working in a care home. And in a care home, obviously, I needed people to work the whole time. And I'd offered to work on New Year's Day. And they were offering time and a half in the pace so was a, a financial incentive as well. So I was not partying this New Year's Eve. I was tucked up in my bed. And because um, it was still the Christmas season, all my housemates were away as well. They were with friends and family over Christmas. So I knew I was on my own in the house. And then about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up and there was this noise I could hear in uh, the bedroom next door. And I thought, well, that's a funny noise. And there's no one else, should be no one else in the house. I wonder what the noise is. So um, and it was, I could hear, it. and so I got up, went out of my bedroom door, and then to my surprise, someone who I'd never seen before, didn't know, uh, must have seen the light, the craft of light, the shank, the the the, uh, the the light coming from my bedroom. This person walked from my friend's bedroom, walked past me, and he walked down the stairs, through the lounge, and out through a back window. He was a, a burglar who'd come to rob things from my house on New Year's Eve. It turned out, actually, what he'd done is he must have had some kind of chisel and a hammer. And we had, it was quite an old house, we had wooden window frames, and he chipped away at the wooden window frames and got in through the window and opened the window up uh, to get into the house. But Jesus says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Just like that robber entered my house, not through the front door, but through a window. Jesus says there's other people who try to come into the kingdom and into, uh, into God's people. Uh, not through Jesus but in another way they don't respect Jesus and his way into the sheepfold but they come another way to steal and kill and destroy so Jesus says we need to be discerning to be able to recognise the voice of the true shepherd and to be able to spot and be careful of those who might come to do harm now I might well ask then well how do we uh, what kind of tests can we uh, what kind of ways can we discern a, a true shepherd from a false one Well, that's where Jesus talks, doesn't he, about uh, how you'll know them. Uh, Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits in the Sermon on the Mount. But I wonder if from this passage actually one test we can apply is just simply uh, what do people make of Jesus? What do people make of Jesus? Do they respect and recognise Jesus is the door for the sheep? Do they follow Jesus themselves? Do they respect and follow Jesus' teaching or do they undermine Jesus' teaching? Do they recognise that he is the door for the sheep to find life? J.C. Ryle, speaking about true shepherds, says this. J.C. Ryle said, The true shepherd has a single eye to Christ, desiring to glorify Christ, doing all in the strength of Christ, preaching Christ's doctrine, walking in Christ's steps, and laboring to bring men and women to Christ. So what do they make of Jesus? Do Do they know the good shepherd? Do they follow an example? Or do they not look like the good shepherd? I think one of the the best ways to be able to spot, to tell the difference between a true shepherd and a a false one is actually to get to know the true shepherd really well. If you get to know Jesus really well, then we're able to uh, tell better those who are are not true shepherds. I used to have a friend, um, I've got a one pound coin here. I used to have a friend who had this really quite clever party trick where he could uh, tell the difference very well between a a real one pound coin and fake one pound coins. He had a collection of fake one pound coins, he didn't, he didn't make them himself but he, uh, sometimes you would come across them from the money you'd know, get from uh, shops and uh, he collected fake one pound coins he had this little party trick where he'd get his collection of uh, fake one pound coins out and some real ones and he'd see if people could tell the difference between a real one and a fake one through looking at the design and the writing and the way it's made and apparently the trick to being able to do that really well is actually to get to know a real one pound coin really well if you know a real one, I think this is a real one as far as I know if you know a real one pound coin really well uh, then you're able much more to spot a fake one because you know the real one really well and similarly the way we can become discerning with false teachers is actually getting to know the true teacher Jesus really well not not being obsessed in, in getting to know all the heresies so it's good to know to know some of the names for false teaching but actually get to know Jesus really well focusing on him As we know Jesus really well, we are to spot those who are not truly his followers or or leading people astray. So Jesus is the door to find life, satisfying life, nourishment. I've got a couple of questions for us to think about on this point. Firstly, have you and I, have we chosen life? Have you chosen life? Yeah, we said, didn't we, we have to choose life, we have to choose the life Jesus wants us to have. It doesn't just Happened by chance. Have we chosen life? The life we can have in him. Have we actually, have we entered the door? Jesus' Have we entered the door? Uh, the door, we entered the door or are we just on the outside looking? Have we chosen life? And see the goodness of being in Jesus' sheepfold. Here in Jesus we find pasture, we find nourishment, we find life in its abundance, satisfaction in him. He wants what's best for his sheep. It's both true, but it's also really good as well. Do you know the goodness of being in Jesus' sheepfold? So Jesus is the door to life, the door for the sheep. Let's look at his second claim now. And Jesus' second big claim from our passage tonight was this, that Jesus is the good shepherd who loves and knows his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who loves and knows his sheep. I guess from verse 11 down to verse 18. So let's read that again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord and I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again this charge I received from my father So Jesus makes his famous claim here of being the good shepherd it's a rich claim but it's also I think there's a real blessing uh, as we unpack this so we see what it means to be one of Jesus' sheep So, to say Jesus is the good shepherd, has a number of different parts. As we said earlier, it means that he's the true leader, the true king, which God's people needed, that we need. In the Old Testament, shepherds were leaders. Like David was called a shepherd because he was the leader and the king for God's people. And in the Old Testament, they had some good leaders like Moses, David, Joshua, Josiah, but they didn't have any perfect leader, and many of them were failed and were lacking areas. Well, Jesus is the good shepherd that we need. Think of that prophecy from Ezekiel 34 that I read, where where in Ezekiel 34, God said, I will shepherd my people and I'll give them a leader, my servant David. Well, Jesus is saying he's the fulfillment of that. He is that great shepherd in the line of David. So it's a picture of a, a perfect leader that we need. But it's also a picture also of care and love picture of care love that Jesus uh, loves his sheep and he voluntarily lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one makes Jesus do it, do it. He lays down his life for his own choice for the sheep. Have his love for them. He's not like the thieves and robbers which come to take life and steal and kill. Actually, Jesus come to give life through laying down his own life for us, which he did for us on the cross. And he rose again three days later victoriously in his resurrection like jesus said greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends no one has greater love than jesus who laid down his life for you and for i he's the best good shepherd we could have of jesus knows his sheep and he calls him by name verse three the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I'll lay down my life for the sheep. Now, amazingly, Jesus has many sheep in his sheepfold. We're told in, in the Bible there would be thousands and millions in heaven, in the, in the kingdom of heaven. And even though there are millions of followers of Jesus, Jesus knows each of us individually by name. And he calls us individually by name to follow him. Jesus says Steve come and follow me or he says Sharon come and follow me Holly come and follow me he calls us each individually by name he has millions of followers and he calls us each individually by name to follow him I can remember when I was a student quite a long time ago now in Bristol and one of the things I used to struggle with as a student when I was there is I was obviously in, in a university surrounded by lots of other people lots of other students I was at quite a big university with uh, thousands of students, and very aware I'm just one person amidst the, cro- amidst the crowd. And aware you're in the world, there's millions and millions of people. And in the history of the world, millions and millions of people. And thinking to you, yeah, what is it that makes me significant amidst these crowds at university? What well, makes me significant amidst all the crowds and all the millions of people? Well, we do have significance because Jesus calls us each individually by name. He has millions of followers, but he calls us individually to follow him. He knows his sheep by name and he laid down his life for them. And you know, Jesus would have laid down his life for you, or for I if we were the only sheep that needed rescuing, rescuing in this world. He comes for us each individually and calls us individually. And when it says we know him, uh, that doesn't just mean, and he knows us, that isn't just knowing facts or knowing truth about him, but actually knowing Jesus uh, and knowing him personally and intimately when he says I know my sheep and they know me it's, a, it's talking about personal knowledge knowing him personally and intimately yeah, if we were in a pub quiz uh, you might not want me on your pub quiz I'm, I've not got I think, a great reputation on pub quiz teams And uh, yeah, I might be able to tell you some facts about King Charles III and his coronation coming up and Camilla I could tell you a few facts maybe about King Charles if you had a question on him I could tell you maybe a few dates about him maybe a few facts about his family but, yeah, I've, you probably wouldn't want me on your pub quiz team. Yeah, but I've never met King Charles III, and I don't I expect... I may never ever meet them, might I? I may never meet King Charles III. I'll never actually know him personally. I know about him, but I don't actually know King Charles III, even though he'll be coronated as our, our king later this year. But, yeah, amazing, isn't it? You know, the king of the universe, Jesus, the perfect king, we can actually know him personally. He knows a sheep and we can know him personally and intimately. We can actually know him for ourselves. He wants us to know him. And the amazing thing is, one of the amazing things in this passage is actually Jesus says the relationship we can have with him is actually in some way reflects something of the relationship he has with his Father. Uh, verse 14 and 15 again I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That that perfect relationship between the Father and the Son, that perfect love between them, uh, which Jesus shows in his life. There's something of that that we can taste and experience as we get to know Jesus ourselves, when invited into that relationship with him. We know Jesus personally and intimately. So Jesus is the door to life for the sheep. And Jesus is the good shepherd who loves us and knows his sheep. Let me ask you two questions for us to think about in conclusion. Firstly, do you trust Jesus as a good shepherd? So i would do that illustration of Blondin and his uh, tightrope walking in the wheelbarrow. And I challenge, would you put yourself in the wheelbarrow? Well, do you trust Jesus? There's no one better you could trust with our life. He's shown he could conquer death. He's shown he loves us. Do you trust Jesus as a good shepherd? And do you see how wonderful it is to know and be known by Jesus. We have that relationship with Him, to know Him personally, not just facts about Him, but actually know Him and have Him in our life. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing to finish. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are their door for the sheep, and we thank you, you are their good shepherd. We you pray to have to ponder and meditate on these things. We thank you for your love for us, that you are willing to lay down. Your life for us. We pray you'd help us, Lord, to stay close to you as our good shepherd, to listen to your voice and follow you. May we go away tonight assured of your love, uh, and then we can trust you, Lord. Have to trust you with our lives and to follow your leading, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.